What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Welcome to Right and Wrong. This is the show where we try to wake up the woke by talking common sense about the issues of the day. I'm your host, Brian Ruka, and with me as always is my man and yours. He's the man behind the curtain, producer Juice. Juice Box, what kind of truth do you have to share with the members of the Right and Wrong audience this week, my man? Remember when pride was a sin? Although that is merely a factual statement because under the old rules applicable even a decade ago, pride was a sin and had been recognized as perhaps the cardinal sin for thousands of years previously. Still might be regarded as unacceptable to the woke authoritarian moralists who now insist, for example, that we celebrate Pride Month, not hour or day or week, but month, and who have literally called it Pride Month instead of LGBT plus month or whatever else alphabet acronym which is currently insisted upon as the only acceptable enlightened terminology. I don't regard pride as a virtue. It has been classically regarded as a sin. I don't see that sexual orientation or sexual desire of any sort is something to celebrate or to take pride in. And so what I said was merely a fact. Yes, absolutely. Keep those coming. Always great to hear from you, brother. Well, we have another jam-packed show for you guys today. We did miss last week, so we apologize for that. Just getting uh, getting caught up here with the old move back up north, getting settled in. Had a little uh, trouble finding time to record last week, so we'll try and uh, fit some of those stories into this week's episode as well. So it is really, really a loaded show, so hopefully you guys will love it. Plus, me and the Truth Box have been workshopping something new that's going to be groundbreaking and huge here on the Right and Wrong Show. Huge. I know you guys are going to love that. I will leave that there for you and uh, circle back like Saki to that one at the end of the show, let you know what it is. So you got to stick around or uh, I guess just hit that fast forward button to the end. But you're not going to want to miss what we have to talk about today. We will be talking about the latest drama surrounding the groundbreaking Matt Walsh documentary, What is a Woman? The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, The Lack of Following the Science by the CDC, and much, much more. Now, I can already hear him warming up there in the other room in the background, so uh, before I turn it over to him, though, I do need to ask you guys to please like our show, subscribe to the show, and uh, give us a five-star rating. Leave us a comment, too. We might even read it on air one of these days, so uh, we'd love to hear from you. And with that being said... It is now time for us to welcome in Mr. Ric Flair because it is showtime, baby. Woo! Showtime! Woo! 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 We have two major religious celebrations that have become like an unofficial kickoff to the summer. Both of these celebrations will no doubt take over your newsfeed and they will both be geared towards influencing how children view the world. They both will immediately stand out because of the symbolic use of color in their advertisements. One uses the color of white to reflect the purity of the people participating in the ceremony. The other uses a collection of colors meant to symbolize all sorts of things. The multiple colors are there to represent things like healing, sex, magic, nature, life, and spirit. 
the first one I'm talking about, is the Catholic Sacrament of Receiving First Holy Communion. It's one of seven sacraments that Catholics receive throughout their life of faith. This is when Catholics receive the bread that represents the body of Christ during Mass. Typically, the first time a practicing Catholic receives the sacrament is when they are in the second grade. It usually comes with a similar fanfare to a baby's baptism because the parents, you know, get to go dress their children up in fancy clothes and they get to throw a big party for the occasion. I can't help but notice that most of the people posting the communion pics are surprisingly MIA for the standard weekend service. But when their kid receives a sacrament, it's standing room only event. But I'll come back to that one later. The second major religious celebration that happens at the beginning of summer is, of course, the celebration of pride. Just like how the First Communion is one of seven sacraments, pride happens to be one of the seven deadly sins. We are now required to participate in a month-long celebration of sin. Pride is defined as an excessive love of self or the desire to be better or more important than others. Hmm... Now, I don't mean to label groups of people with broad strokes, but this kind of sounds like the type of people that have decided to make alternative sexual choices that go against what's been the accepted norm for all of human existence. Oh, I know. It actually sounds like the people that insist on forcing their mental illness and gender dysphoria on the world around them. No, better yet, it actually sounds like the group of adult men that need to validate some strange fetish of theirs by dressing up as over-the-top female burlesque dancers to go read stories to your children at the public library. You see, I've been talking about how the secular leftism has become its own religion for a while now. It just hit me that these two religious events happen back-to-back every year. And, big surprise, but pride is actually considered to be the deadliest sin of all. The person who is filled with self-pride is so arrogant that he believes he is greater than God. Again, think of the message championed by the transgender activists. You were born into the wrong body, they say. They are, in fact, claiming that they know better than God does. The prideful person walks around with a sense of superiority. If he's better than God, you better believe that he's superior to you. He'll demand your attention and your affirmation. Sound like the type of people that dress in leather bondage gear and dog masks while whipping each other as they parade down the street? In contrast to pride, receiving the Eucharist is considered by many to be the most important of the seven sacraments. Each time a Catholic is being presented, the Eucharist... They're being presented with the body of Christ. We believe that we are accepting Jesus Christ and allowing him to enter our body. It's a much different kind of acceptance than the one demanded from the pride crew. The beauty of this one, for me, is that it's extremely personal. Although we receive the Eucharist while gathered together at Mass, that moment of accepting Jesus and the responsibility that goes along with that is between you and him. I'm sure you've all heard of the paradox of opposites. You know, that idea that without evil, we wouldn't know what good is. We need to experience hot in order to experience cold. You get the idea. Well, I tried to apply that theory to the deadly sins in the sacraments. It's almost a perfect match, but I'll let you decide. We'll start off with the pride in the Eucharist. So we touched on this one already, 
And I'll admit that being proud of someone else for their accomplishment is not a deadly sin. The type of pride we're talking about here is that self-pride. And it's that pride in oneself versus the humbleness it takes to admit you need Jesus Christ through the Eucharist. It's those two things that are fighting against each other, pulling in opposite directions when you compare these two. Next, we'll focus on lust in the sacrament of matrimony. This one seems fairly self-explanatory. Should we, should we be lusting after people like we're no better than the animals? Or should we turn the natural feelings of lust into a love for a partner that's stronger than the love you have in yourself? How about greed? We'll pair that one up with the sacrament of confirmation. So when you get confirmed, it happens at a difficult time in a young person's life. You're entering adulthood. It's now that time to decide what kind of person you're going to be. Are you ready to go out into the world and share God's message? If you're not prepared and you're not ready, you will be easily susceptible to fall for the greed that the world has to offer. The more power, money, or fame you seek, the further away from God you'll stray. How about combining or pairing up sloth with the baptism? When I think of sloth, I think of laziness, of reluctance. I think of someone refusing to live. Well, the baptism is washing away a baby's original sin and providing that child an opportunity to live. And it's an opportunity to live as a child of God. There's nothing lazy about that. How about wrath paired up with anointing of the sick? When someone's diagnosed with a terminal illness, their natural instinct is to become filled with wrath. We have no idea how that feels, but I can imagine it's easy to become hateful and filled with rage. That's why Catholics are there to provide the sacrament of anointing the sick. When that moment comes, and it will come for all of us eventually, we have two choices. Turn to wrath or embrace God. How about gluttony in the sacrament of holy orders? The holy order is a sacrament experienced by priests, bishops, and deacons. It's a choice they make to sacrifice their own needs in order to share and spread God's message. It's the exact opposite of the choice the glutton makes. And make no mistake, gluttony is not just an overindulgence in food. Think of all the things we overindulge in these days. We have food, video games, sex, drugs, alcohol, TV. The list could go on and on. And how about closing things up and and wrapping up with envy paired up with the reconciliation? If you scroll through Facebook, try not to be envious of what others have. I dare you to. We live in a society of people that are all trying to keep up with the Joneses. And it's not good. Envy leads to jealousy. It leads us to hate our neighbor instead of loving our neighbor. Reconciliation is the sacrament of confession. It's the opportunity to confess your sins to God and to ask his forgiveness. These two are linked because often we can sin in our thoughts and mind. And it's important to be honest with yourself and with God when you go and you confess. We used to live in a country that valued and recognized the importance of upholding Christian morality. That time is long gone, and it's been replaced with the praise and promotion of the values of the seven deadly sins. I'll admit that most of the so-called supporters of pride are just like the so-called Catholics. 
They want to be seen as an ally without being fully committed or fully educated as to what they're actually supporting. Just like how the same kind of Catholic is only vocal about their faith when there's a party and pictures to post. Both of those types are weak-minded, and they're the go-along-to-get-along people in this world. But make no mistake, there are people on both sides of this battle that understand what's at stake. We are in a battle of good versus evil, and Satan is doing a hell of a job convincing the evil ones that they are actually the good ones. Once again, it simply comes down to the difference between right and wrong. And I know what side we're on. All right, let's kick off the rights and wrongs of the week this week, talking about the Matt Walsh documentary, What is a Woman? So it celebrated its one-year anniversary on June 1st, and they wanted to... The Daily Wire, that is, wanted to release the film completely free on Twitter to, you know, celebrate the one-year anniversary of the film. So right now, the only way to watch it is behind the paywall if you're a member at the Daily Wire. So yeah, they wanted to provide the film free to an audience, and they wanted to do that to usher in, you know, Pride Month, June 1st. That's the day they released the film last year. Uh, I think it's a great marketing strategy by them. But yeah, they wanted to put it up on Twitter. And according to Daily Wire CEO Jeremy Boring, he was in communication with the team from Twitter behind the scenes. And they actually were going to buy uh, like a free space from Twitter that would be like a dedicated channel within the Twitter universe to post the film. And that way, you know, people could, you know, share it out, see it. Whatever. They could advertise for it. They could promote it. All that good stuff. So they were working with Twitter behind the scenes trying to say, like, hey, we want to do this. We're willing to pay for it. You know, what can we do? All good. Uh, A couple of days before they were set to do this, Twitter reached out to the Daily Wire and asked for a screening of the film so that they could watch it and then prepare themselves for the inevitable backlash that they would get from allowing such crazy hate speech on their platform. (laughs) So it should have been a red flag, I guess, but the DW uh, sent them over a screener. uh, And then shortly after that, they were told that now they were no longer going to be provided a a special page to put it on. They were not going to be able to promote it. uh, But Twitter was actually going to flag it if it was posted as hateful conduct. Uh, They were also going to label it with a limited visibility flag. So they were going to prevent you from sharing it. They told the Daily Wire that they were not going to um, allow them to to even trend or or like even somebody who's, say, like friends with Matt Walsh and follows him. They wouldn't even let those people see it if it was posted up on his thing. They were going to basically bury the thing. Now, why did they do this? They claimed because of two instances of misgendering that takes place within the film. Now, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Definitely a top ten. So I've seen it a couple of times. I know the great Joskino finally uh, saw it when it was free to the public. Get behind the paywall, brother. You'll enjoy it. (laughs) But anyways, they claimed that there were two instances. One where this guy who's like... 80 years old, maybe 70 years old, something like that. He's a retired old man who owns like a Star Wars memorabilia store. He got into a beef 
I think it's in Tennessee actually too, but he um you know was pretty adamant about not calling a man who calls himself a woman who got elected to the city council in his city uh he doesn't want to call her a woman. So Walsh talks to that guy and they show a clip of him being confronted by the council quote woman who's about six foot three hulking over the guy, looking down on him, telling him, call me a woman. And the guy refuses to do it. So that was flag number one. They said that guy misgendered him. The second instance was a a man from Canada that Walsh talks to who is currently in prison, I believe, because he has a daughter who's being transitioned by his wife his ex-wife into being a man a boy and the father lost custody and is facing jail time he's going to trial soon actually about not affirming his daughter's transition into a boy so he refers to her as her and they say that that's misgendering as well you know what i'm gonna say to this absolutely ridiculous and it is it's completely absurd So that's what Twitter reached out to the Daily Wire about, hid behind. Well, they did what they do best. And again, this is a reason why you should support a company like the Daily Wire, because they are not afraid to uh, take the fight public, go after these big, you know, corporations. They were the first ones to sue and win against the federal government for the COVID vaccine mandates that they were going to use through OSHA. So, you know... I like to listen to them for their podcasts. It's great. You can listen to most of their podcasts free anywhere else. But when you are a member, you actually are contributing to stuff like that that they're that they're able to do too. So I think it's a good company to back at least. Anyways, they uh, got aggressive and they started tweeting directly to Elon Musk. And boring, um, you know, he he shared like this big thread of you know multiple tweets that he was sending to Musk, telling him like. What's going on here? You said this was a free pe- free speech company. There's going to be a free speech platform. And why are you guys suppressing our speech? Like, what's going on? Musk responded, and he said, uh, quote, this was a mistake by many people at Twitter. And he um, added that streaming like this is definitely allowed. So that was, like, going on on the 1st, Thursday the 1st. And... That was going on throughout the day. I remember listening to their shows in the day, and they were like, we, we're still going to post it at 8 o'clock tonight, and we'll see what happens. So 8 o'clock rolled around. They posted the movie. It quickly started to go viral. People were retweeting it, sharing it, and within about five minutes, it was shut down by Twitter. It was labeled you know, with that hateful conduct thing. The visibility was limited. The whole nine yards. Uh And it just got shut down and suppressed. So the next day, things really started to progress, though. Uh, Musk definitely got involved at that point. I heard that he was in China at the time. So I'm sure it's like one of those situations when the cat's away, the mice will play. So all his little, you know, leftover leftist minions in the company that that he took over decided they could do what they wanted to do. And they limited the reach of the of the documentary well musk came in unlimited it he actually shared it on his own page where he has 140 million followers 
uh, and he pinned it to the top of his page with a tweet that said, all parents should watch this film. Just around that same time, two members, high-ranking members in the Twitter team, Miss Ella Irwin, she's the head of Twitter's trust and safety department. Uh, a lot of people think that that's the department that was responsible for labeling this film Hateful Conduct. She abruptly resigned. And then uh, that was shortly followed by A.J. Brown, the head of brand safety and ad quality, also resigning from the company. So two leftist nut jobs within the company trying to do their own will instead of the will of their CEO owner. Well, actually, I guess he's not even the CEO. Didn't he switch out on that? Whatever. You know what I mean. But these people wanted to do what they wanted to do. They wanted to run Twitter the way it used to be running. Elon Musk was like, uh-uh, not happening. So they gave up their jobs over it. They quit over this. And again, you got to ask yourself, why? This is literally a documentary. I'm sure, I'm sure these people didn't even watch it, but it's literally a documentary where Walsh goes around asking people questions and sitting back. He doesn't really even like talk all that much. He lets these people bury themselves with their own words and their own kooky logic. That's what they're so afraid of. It's the same reason why they hate libs of TikTok. The woman who created the libs of TikTok account doesn't say anything herself. She literally reshares people's TikToks. She reshares people's stuff in their own words. And it's eye-opening to us. So the fact that these minions within Twitter wanted to shut this down and, and suppress it, it should make you want to see it even more. And a lot of people have seen it. The documentary has been seen in over 70 countries, and it has a 97% rating from audiences on Rotten Tomato. And I know Walsh is pretty vocal about this, but only four people actually reviewed it from, from reputable you know, companies or whatever, like, like actual critics' reviews. And they busted one of them for not even watching the print that they sent them and trashing it in a review. So people refuse to even watch it. They judge it before they even see it. It's crazy. Well, at least in this situation, the right thing happened. Musk came in and, and fixed it. But to me, it speaks to the bigger issues going on in the world. And, and it's the same idea of these like career bureaucrats within the, within the government, too. Um, because this wasn't the head of Twitter who was trying to suppress this. This was all the middle management involved there from, you know, the buffer between what what like people want, what the real world is, and what the owners of these companies are. So it reminds me of the same types of stuff that go, goes on when, when you have the president up here and the people down in the other spot and all those people in between that run the government. They're the ones who are actually controlling things and we don't even know about it. It's the same as, as um, you know, same stuff's going on at Google, at uh, at all these major corporations. I'm sure same thing happened with the Bud Light fiasco. Uh, and it's these people that are hidden from us that they're, they're, you know, they think they're important and they're stuck, you know, that, that middle management type who thinks that they're this important person who can make these decisions. And, you know, over at Twitter, they're willing to quit over it instead of just doing what the boss wants them to do in the federal government. They're willing to, continue to try and indict a former president so that he doesn't come in and uh, tell them what to do. They were willing to undermine the man's entire presidency from the inside. That's the type of power 
that goes on in the middle there. And that's why a story like this, like you might think, oh, it's happening on Twitter or whatever. It's a, you know, people need to get off the internet. And you might be right, but I wanted to talk about the story because it's important to me. Uh, I, I think the film is amazing and it needs to be seen. And more specifically, that, that last part there about how this type of stuff goes on everywhere. And it's it's all the people within within the the middle of these organizations and operations that you need to really worry about. So that's why a story like this, you know, makes sense and, and, and is a, is important for us to talk about. So just keep that in mind going forward. Okay. Next. For a man, he has a penis. For a woman, he has a vagina. So we know this is a lady. This is a man. The next story here is going to be about coronavirus lockdown policy. So this one came out because of a freedom of information request put in by a group called the Fairfax Parents Association. Now, they wanted to request this because they know about uh, the CDC being in cahoots with all the teachers unions about closing down schools during the lockdown and what was going on with that. So uh, they were able to get text messages released. And within these texts, it's going to be a a thread here that I'm going to go through and read to you guys. Between Randy Weingarten and Rochelle Walensky, who was the director of the CDC at the time. And this is going to speak to what I what I just touched on in the last story with uh, what was going on with Twitter. And, and look at how things are really controlled from the inside here and being pitched to the rest of us as following the science. We all know that that was a crock and things like this just help give you specific evidence as to as to how and why. So... Here we go. According to the story, on February 11th, 2021, American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten texted Walensky saying that she had heard a leak from the New York Times about what was in the CDC's upcoming guidance, and she expressed concern that it was at odds with their discussion. Weingarten texted, they are running with a full speed ahead angle for reopening schools. She said the Times sent her a copy of the internal draft guidance that said, again, I quote here, at any level of community transmission, all schools can provide in-person instruction. I'm going to read that again. At any level of community transmission, all schools can provide in-person instruction. Now, remember that? They were all telling us that certain levels, if you hit, you know, 10%, you know, spread, then you couldn't be in school in person. I forget exactly what the numbers were. I'm just throwing that one out there, but that's the type of stuff they were doing, remember? So this here was originally they were going to say that at any level of community transmission, all schools could provide in-person instruction. Now we know what happened. Listen to what Walensky wrote to that. Hmm. Arg. Literally. H-M-M-M-M dot A-R-G-H. Welcome to 2023, people. CDC director texting with the president of the teachers union. Um, R. Are you kidding me? What are you, what are you, two 16-year-old girlfriends in high school? You going, going to the, to the Johnny Rockets burger shop tonight? Oh, no, got to do homework. R. Hmm, Arg. These people are ridiculous. Just a couple schoolgirls chatting away here. Oh, what are we going to do? LOL. The next day, Walensky's agency released guidance that was different 
than what was leaked from the New York Times. The new guidance said, all schools have options to provide in-person instruction. Now, it doesn't seem like much, but that's a lot different than at any level of community transmission, all schools can provide in-person instruction. Walensky changed it to have options to provide in-person instruction, giving Weingarten the, the wiggle room she needed to cry about putting teachers at risk and in harm's way by making them go back into the classroom. This little change allowed school districts to stay closed while still saying they were following the CDC guidelines. Middle and high schools in virtual-only instruction, unless they can strictly implement all mitigation strategies and have few cases. That's what the CDC started recommending. Because of Weingarten's influence over Walensky. To borrow John Fetterman's line, this is astonishing. It's astonishing. How does the head of the teachers union have control over the CDC director and the guidance and guidelines they put out when they are only following the science? Remember, that's what they told you. Follow the science. Weingarten's union then put out a statement praising this guidance recommendation and texted the document directly to Walensky with the message, thank you. Walensky responded glowingly saying, this gave me the biggest smile of my week. Thank, in all caps, you, friend, with an exclamation point. Weingarten then gently chided the CDC director for not going further to push stricter guidelines that would keep schools closed, saying, literally a smiley face, and not even like the emoji smiley face. It's the two colons with the with the with the closed parenthesis behind it, showing Weingart showing us just how old Weingartner really is. She was probably texting from a Nokia, from a flip phone, playing Snake in between texts. So she she put the smiley face. We will fuss a little on ventilation, but I am so grateful. End quote. And Walensky responded to that. Me too. Totally fair. Wow. Again, who do these people think they are? Like, listen to those texts and stuff. It's ridiculous. All I can picture is Alicia Silverstone in uh, in Clueless. Totes my goats, girl. You know, we'll do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, so fair. So fair. You go, girl. Okay. Thank you. Love you, friend. Well, that was a little bit of a Dylan, I guess. But... Listen to the way they're talking to each other. It's absurd. That brings me to the next little piece that that ties into this, too. So the new CDC director, she's just coming in now. Her name is Mandy Cohen. And again, you know how I feel about these names like this. I'm sorry. Mandy Cohen. How are you supposed to be taken serious? You go by Mandy. It's like the argument I had with uh, with with a, a, a girl that I used to work with going by Nikki. Like, you can't be a professional and think people taking you serious going by Nikki. You want to go by that on your off time? Go ahead with your friends, obviously. But if you want to be taken serious, you're you're Nicole or you're Amanda. Mandy Cohen. Yeah, I'm really going to listen to Mandy. All right. Well, listen to what she had to say. There's this video going around where she's talking about how when she worked for the state of North Carolina as the director of Health and Human Services, she uh, was talking about how they decided to to keep things 
you know, either locked down or, or unlocked or whatever, the guidance that they were providing during the uh, pandemic. And this video circulated because she was, you know, so flippant talking about how she made these decisions. Listen to this. I would call, probably the person I called most was the Secretary of Health and Human Services in Massachusetts. She worked for a Republican governor just to, um, but, you know, when she was like, are you, are you going to let them have professional um, uh, football? And I was like, nope. And she's like, okay, neither are we, neither are we. Uh, (laughs) So, so, you know, it was like conversations like that. So, or or I'd be like, so when are you going to think about lightening up a mess? They're like, she's like, next Monday. I'm like, okay, next Monday. Unbelievable, right? Uh, hey girl, just calling to chat. You uh, you gonna let that football thing go on? You gonna do some football this weekend? No. Okay, great. We went out either. They don't need football. Uh, what about church? Are you gonna let them go to church? No, no. Me neither. Me neither. Okay, awesome. Can they go do yoga? Can we let them go do yoga? Yes, yes. Okay, yoga's okay. Um, liquor stores, weed dispensaries, totally fine. How about um? How about gyms? No, no, no gyms. I'll make them use their Peloton. They got to use a Peloton, okay? Uh, football? No. Circling back on the football conversation. No, no. Okay. All right. When are you going to release? Uh, when are you going to lighten up on, uh, on, on gathering for grandma's birthday? You think you can do that on, uh, let's go next Monday? Next? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll do next Monday too. Sure, no problem, no problem. All right, I love you too, girl. Okay, all right, bye. Can you believe this stuff? It's crazy. This is like the epitome of groupthink. All these people afraid to make a decision on their own, hiding behind the collection of thought that is the safest way to go from the elites. That's basically what they were doing. They're not following any science, clearly. They weren't willing to go against the company line. They were all, they're all from these elite institutions with these elite educations, handed these, these, you know, cushy jobs right out of college, probably went right into a really high paying job in a, in a prominent position and worked their way up to these positions that they're in now. And it's a collection of people that tell you, yes, 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 great decision. There's no pushback. Uh, political, follow the political course of action. Follow the you know, media narrative at all cost. That's basically how they're making these decisions. They were not following the science. Told them not to wear masks and they didn't wear masks. Then we said, go get a mask. They got a mask. Sheep. We knew it from the beginning, and now you're seeing this stuff come out. Again, it should be eye-opening. And the only thing you can do now is be aware of it and stop it from happening again. Next. It's grody to the max. That means it's disgusting. It's totally grody. So this one is pretty crazy. It's been going on for a while. I'm sure you've probably heard about it by now. But it's the whole fiasco going on in L.A. with the L.A. Dodgers. They're having a pride night at some point. I believe it's coming up soon now, but they invited all these different groups to participating pride night, come out and throw out the first pitch and be celebrated on the field. Well, one of the groups that were invited is called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And their whole shtick is they're a drag troupe 
that dresses up like nuns and mocks Christianity. They they call them they they act like they're nuns and they do like sexually explicit maneuvers, jokes. They um they mock God and Jesus. They're a terrible, terrible group of people. Completely disgusting and insulting. So they received backlash, the Dodgers, for including these people in the celebration. The Dodgers did the right thing and rescinded the invitation to this group. This was probably like three weeks ago now. It's been going on for a while. Well, all hell broke loose when that happened. You can't cross these these pride folks. You guys know that. So that community was up in arms, outraged that they would uninvite the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. So what did the Dodgers do? <laughs> they caved, of course. They re-invited them and then pissed off everybody else again that was already pissed off about it. So, again, the, the Dodgers are in a no-win situation there, but they're in a situation brought on by themselves. They didn't have to have a Pride Night festivity just because it's the month of June at a baseball game. That would have avoided all this. You might have had a little bit of like people like trying to be like, hey, come on, do something like this. Just avoid it. You don't have to do that. They could have stayed out of it. Just like all these corporations and companies could stay out of this stuff. But they don't. They choose to put themselves into it. They choose to take part and celebrate it. And then they try to look at you as a bigot or, or a zealot for questioning them or for bringing your business elsewhere then. And at that point, they're going to piss off one side or the other. And that's what they did. And now neither side is happy. Well, I guess the, the left is, is happy because they get to have these deranged um, wannabe nuns, uh, not wannabe, they want to make fun of nuns, uh, on the field being celebrated. These scumbags. And this is one of those things where why is it okay to mock Christianity all the time? People can do that. You don't see this group, a drag group coming out um, mocking Judaism, do you? Is there a drag Jew group that goes out there dressed as Hitler, goose-stepping across the field? No way. Nobody would allow that. What about a drag Muslim, anti-Muslim group? Would they be out there making fun of Muslim religion? No way. Not at all. But they're allowed to slap Christians in the face. Why? It's a religious, hateful group. And you're gonna, they're going to be out there getting clapped for and praised and cheered. There's a huge Christian Catholic population within Los Angeles. And I hope they all refuse to go to any Dodgers game, support that team going forward. That's an absolute joke. Let's hear from some of the players and uh, see what they had to say. Clayton Kershaw, best pitcher on the team. Great, great guy, first ballot Hall of Famer. Great pitcher, I should say. I don't know how good of a guy he is. But he said, quote, I don't agree with making fun of other people's religions. It has nothing to do with anything other than that. I just don't think that no matter what religion you are, you should make fun of somebody else's religion. So that's something that I definitely don't agree with, end quote. So, you know, a little soft, but still against it. I guess it takes a little, you know, even that should be celebrated in today's world, that an athlete would even say that. This one went, went even further. Another player, Blake Trian, uh, he posted this. Uh, well, it was somebody else posted it for him, and it said that, that Blake had asked him to, to share this. It's a little bit long, so I'm going to read the full statement here, okay, guys? I am disappointed to see the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence being honored as heroes at Dodger Stadium. 
Many of their performances are blasphemous, and their work only displays hate and mockery of Catholics and the Christian faith. I understand that playing baseball is a privilege and not a right. My convictions in Jesus Christ will always come first. Since they have been with the Dodgers, they have been at the forefront of supporting a, ro- a wide variety of groups. However, inviting the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to perform disenfranchises a large community and promotes hate of Christians and people of faith. This single event alienates the fans and supporters of the Dodgers, Major League Baseball, and professional sports. People like baseball for its entertainment value and competition. The fans do not want propaganda or politics forced on them. The debacle with Bud Light and Target should be a warning to companies and professional sports to stay true to their brand and leave the propaganda and politics off the field. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe the word of God is true. And in Galatians 6, chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. This group openly mocks Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of my faith, and I want to make it clear that I do not agree with nor support the decision of the Dodgers to honor the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua twenty four fifteen. Powerful statement. Great job. Great job by him there. Love that one. Remember that one because we're going to um, visit a different player later on in the show and, and that took an opposite approach to something like that. But it takes a lot of courage to, to release a statement like that. And he nailed it on the head. He, he's 100% correct with that. So I'm glad he stood up and said something. Uh, the Dodgers should be embarrassed by this whole thing. And Major League Baseball should be ashamed of themselves. It's completely disgusting next all right closing things off we're just going to uh visit our old friend mr Brittany griner and see what uh what what's going on with that whole situation so you guys remember griner she was arrested in russia jailed blah 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 we know what happened so she returned to the court about a month ago and Number one, her coach was was appalled that it wasn't a sellout. <laughs> and, I mean, does she realize she's a coach for the WNBA? I don't think I don't think they could sell out a high school gymnasium. Never mind, um, you know, an actual arena where they play. So whether Brittany Griner's first game or or, or not doesn't matter. So <laughs> that that made me laugh. But the reason I wanted to talk about the story is because Griner has now come out and said that she will no longer nail for the national anthem. She actually, you know, wants to stand and honor her country after what she went through. See what a little bit of uh, perspective could do to a guy's attitude? It's amazing. I mean, it shouldn't have to take being jailed in, in a Russian gulag and being traded for the merchant of death and a terrorist to be named later for someone to get a little bit of appreciation for their own country. I'm sure she's not feeling very oppressed anymore. I think it's it's eye-opening, and, and at least it shows me there's a little bit of hope out there uh, that some of these people might finally wake up and see what's going on. All these people that think we're in such a terrible, oppressive country, a terrible society, it's terrible for uh, women, minorities, for immigrants, go spend a little bit of time in, in Russia and see see how great 
America really is. Go spend a little bit of time in China, in in North Korea. Go spend some time in any of these other countries across the world. And you'll see real quick that America is a pretty great place to be. And hopefully the Griner situation and her now wanting to, you know, stand for the national anthem might, you know, seep into, you know, the 10 or 15 people that actually know who she is. Uh, They might change their perspective a little bit, too. So good job for that. She's still missing the point a little bit because she, you know, talked about her experience and why she wants to stand now and honor the country, but then also left wiggle room at the end for, but I understand why some people would still want to kneel or or do what they want to do. That's what we have the right to do here in this country. I mean, come on. I understand what she means there. And it's like, yeah, you know, you have the right to do that, but you're an idiot if you do. Is how she should have did it. Like, yeah, go ahead. You can do it if you want, but you don't have the perspective that I now have from spending time in a Russian jail. So maybe you should rethink your stance on on how you feel uh, about this country and the anthem and the flag. Where am I? The gulag. A gulag? Gulag. Hmm? The big house. La Casa Grande. The big house. Well, that'll do it for the rights and wrongs of the week. Uh, we're going to end it with that one. And we have one more segment coming up. It's the Come On Man segment of the day. So stick around for that. Next. All right. So we've reached that point in the show where it is time to find a clip or some audio, some video from somebody that did or said something so absurd, so ridiculous that even though we're going to make fun of them for a few minutes here, there's really nothing else we could say to them except, come on, man. So that's the idea behind this segment. Before we jump into the topic today, I did promise you guys some big news earlier in the program. That news is that the Right and Wrong program is currently working on getting into the video podcasting format. So me and the Juice Box, we've been working a little bit uh, behind the scenes trying to get the right connection in place, the right software updated, all the uh, tech stuff that he's a genius at. Not really. We're just a couple of jackasses trying to figure it out as we go along. But anyways, we are working on bringing this show to video instead of audio only. So stick around uh, or or keep your eyes open for that. We're hoping to have next week's episode available that way. You'll be able to watch us on Rumble, YouTube, and uh, you'll still be able to hear the audio only version like this. But you'll also be able to, you know, actually see the clips that we talk about. You'll actually be able to see my beautiful face. You might even see an apparent an appearance by the Truth Box himself on screen. So big, big stuff coming, and uh, we might release a little teaser trailer earlier in the week of the other thing we were thinking about using for the Come On Man this week. So we might give you that and uh, get you excited for the upcoming video podcast episode that we're hoping to do next week so that's big big stuff we're excited about that well this week let's wrap up the show with uh, blue jays pitcher anthony bass and right before i started recording this actually found out that bass just got released from the toronto blue jays so anthony bass is um He's a pitcher, you know, whatever. He's not like a star player or anything like that, but he's on the Blue Jays. I think he's about 35 years old, and he 
reshared a story on Instagram of someone being pro boycotting of Bud Light and Target because of his Christian values. And this guy claims to be a Christian as well. So he reshared that and, and supported it. Well, all hell broke loose for that. The next day, he uh, was dragged out in front of the media to you know, answer for, for his great sin of resharing a video supporting the Bud Light and Target boycotts. So, Juice, you want to pull this one up? We got Bass speaking to reporters the next day after he shared that video online. Juice? I made a post that was hurtful to the Pride community, which includes friends of mine and close family members of mine, and I am truly sorry for that. Um, I just spoke with my teammates and shared with them my actions yesterday. I apologize with them. And as of right now, I'm using the Blue Jays' resources to better educate myself to make better decisions moving forward. Uh, the ballpark is for everybody. Uh, we include all fans at the ballpark, and we, and we want to welcome everybody. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Wow. Talk about getting your nuts cut off. Sounds like Miss Bass was able to get the surgery that Matt Walsh's producer was seeking this past week. Incredible stuff. Just for resharing a post. You hear how nervous he sounded, too? I would like to condemn the bigotry showed by myself yesterday. Thank you, sir. May I have another? I am disgusted with myself for the pathetic thought that children should not be subjected to tuck-friendly bathing suits at Targets. Thank you, sir. May I have another? I am hereby surrendering my dignity and self-respect. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Dylan Mulvaney is actually the coolest, sexiest Bud Light spokesmodel that has ever lived. Thank you, sir. May I have another? I have been instructed to inform you that it is my idea and my idea only to get a pride flag tattooed across my forehead so that going forward, everyone will realize that I am a champion of the cause. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Wow. Talk about being in a Russian gulag, huh? You know, they, they just removed the duct tape from his mouth right before he started talking. He had somebody from the Blue Jays organization up in the press box there with a uh, with a sniper rifle aimed directly at his head. Say the right words. Confess. It was like that scene in Game of Thrones where uh, Cersei had to claim to be, you know, sinful and, and, and against God, whatever, and then do that walk of shame naked through the town. To get released by those by the by the seven people, whatever they were called. That's what this guy's doing. He was paraded out there in front of the media with his tail tucked between his legs, apologizing for being Christian, apologizing for supporting not wanting to buy Bud Light and Target. He lost his job over it, even after groveling with that pathetic apology which actually goes to show that the apologies never matter. If you say something, if you believe in something, stick with what you believe in because even the no, no amount of apology is going to be enough. This guy did that the very next day and less than a week later, the team cut his ass anyways. So, it was all for nothing. He loses on both ends. He lost his dignity, his self-respect, his principles, his own moral values. He flushed them all down the toilet for the Toronto Blue Jays and their pathetic fan base who was upset by this. And he still got his ass shown the door. 
Think about the difference between him and those two Dodgers players that spoke out, at least in stuck by their words, about the sisters of perpetual indulgence. This guy Bass had an idea, had had a reason for sharing that post, and as soon as he faced any little bit of backlash and controversy over it, he backed right down, did whatever they told him to do, and they said, see you later, you're out. They trumped him. They gave him the Trump call. You're fired. <laughs> so this guy, what a tool. And I'm sure he's going to try to say now, like, ooh, I'm a Christian. I believe in it. Like, duh, duh, duh. No, you don't, sir. I'm sorry. You caved. You had your, you had your Peter moment. You had your St. Peter moment. You, you denied him. You denied Christ. You denied your own beliefs because of the, the mob with the pitchforks in front of you. Now, are you going to do it two more times like, like Peter did? Or are you going to turn this around, turn it into a positive maybe, and, and double down on what you originally believed in? Who knows? But you're losing a lot of credibility. Uh, you have no credibility with the left. The right thinks you're pathetic, and now you're out of a job. So that, my friend, Mr. Anthony Bass, is why you have earned yourself one big, fat, classic. Come on, man. And that'll do it for the show today. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in. Please uh, give us a like, a share, a five-star review wherever you're listening to us, and and be on the lookout for the video episode of the Right and Wrong program next week. Hopefully everything goes smooth and we can deliver that for you guys, but we're really excited about it, looking forward to it, and uh, that's the plan for next week. So until then, thanks for having me. show is produced by juice executive producer juice audio mixer is juice hair by skull shavers wardrobe and makeup by ashley ruka right and wrong song created by juice the right and wrong show is copyright 2022 from brian ruka